A beautiful family. A luxury home on an idyllic street in a perfect town. What could go wrong? Their dream turned into a nightmare when they began receiving horrific messages from a mysterious source. But who was behind the threatening letters? And what can you do when someone makes it very clear that they want you gone? This week's episode is The New Jersey Watcher. Fills with dread, probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood. Well, as a recent homebuyer, this is a horrifying story. (laughs) Yeah. What would it take for you, like if you'd received threatening letters because you were in a bit of a time crunch to find a home. Yes. Would you have continued on or would you have scrapped it? I like my house so much. I probably would have, I probably would have stayed. You would have said, ghost, stalkers, whatever, be damned. Yes. This is a gorgeous home and I will live in it. <laughs> I will take a lover who will uh, protect me. Oh, that's nice. That's you also have two watchdogs. So. I do have a pretty vicious chihuahua and a very nice, bull, like, pit bull looking dog. Also, buying a home, when we bought our home mm, four years ago, I guess it was. Nice. It is such a beating slash just it sucks the life out of you to have to go it's like buying a car except way worse so i would not want to have to start from scratch or go back through that whole process i would probably if someone said well a family was brutally murdered last week before you moved in we're pretty sure their spirits are still haunting the place you know what Uh, that's fine yeah can i we'll (laughs) We'll agree to disagree, okay? I just watched the Office Olympics episode where Michael's closing on the condo. He's like, the ceilings are shorter. I don't know how you did this. And she said, if you back out now, you'll lose $7,000. And he's like, I made the right choice. I (laughs) want to stay here. Yeah. That's yeah, how I felt. I exactly. Like, eh, how bad is it? It's how bad? A, the letters weren't like written in blood. Oh, yeah. That's true. They were just normal pen. They didn't have hair in them or anthrax. <laughs> Not that we know of. No, they could. They couldn't even get DNA. Really? Oh, I don't. I don't think anyone writes letters anymore. That's how you know. That's how you know you're dealing with a crazy person because they send you a letter <laughs> instead of a text or an email. I'll be writing a letter. <laughs> well, you're a crazy person, and you also must be from times past because nobody does that anymore. When was the last time you received an actual letter in the mail? Not a invitation, mm. a handwritten letter. I've gotten a thank you note fairly recently. Okay, does I've received count? those. I'm going to say that does not count. I mean like a letter that started off with Dear Heather. Dear and then, Heather, <laughs> I thought of you in the ship's journey. Yes, and it was something that could have been sent in an email, but they chose to write it in a letter. I'm g- probably 
maybe when my grandmother was alive in okay. college or something. It's been a while. When my dad passed away, a friend of mine wrote a letter, and but it was in a box of uh, fun things she sent me to like cheer me up. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So it was, well, I've received stuff like that. Shout out to Heather, other Heather, in other Heather, Chicago, Heather number one, truly. Oh, you're not number one. That's well, nice of me, you to give up your spot. They gave me a jacket. Her. The jacket says Heather number one on it. I love it so much. But I I will defer the title to Heather, the true number one, because she sent me that box. It was so nice. nice. That is very nice. It was delightful. Well, I'm Christy number one. I'm Heather number two. And today we are going to be talking about a bizarre and mysterious case that rocked not only New Jersey, but kind of the world at this point this when i first read this it gave me huge goosebumps it made me not i mean i guess they're regular size goosebumps but i got them quickly <laughs> imagine that you just had giant welts all over your arms <laughs> what and is wrong with you i read a very disturbing internet story <laughs> yeah i was not familiar with this until yeah. we had several listeners ask us to do this story but it is very creepy it's so creepy so let's get into it in june 2014 Derek and Maria Broadus were ecstatic. They had finally found their dream home, a gorgeous six-bedroom, four-bathroom colonial home located at 657 Boulevard in the affluent town of Westfield, New Jersey. Maria had grown up just a few blocks from the home, and she and her husband were thrilled to raise their three children in the same neighborhood. It's a good-looking house. It's However, very pretty. The address, it seems like they forgot a street name. Yes, it's... It's bizarre. It's 657 uh, Boulevard. <laughs> What's it called? Uh, it's just, Boulevard. It's, it's fine. It's just Boulevard. Which it sounds one? like someone's trying to pull something over on you. It's just the bull. It's like the fake uh, email addresses I give at the store when they ask you for an email. Oh, that's good. Sometimes if I'm in a hurry, I just say, no, thank you. And it's it throws them off every time. No, thank you at gmail.com. Yeah. <laughs> Located 45 minutes from the bustling city of New York, Westfield was much slower paced with 30,000 residents and a vibe similar to Mayberry. In 2018, Bloomberg ranked Westfield as the 99th richest city in America with an average household income of over $200,000 per year. In 2014, the year the Broadduses purchased their dream home, it was ranked as the 30th safest town in the U.S., it was easy to see why anyone would want to live there. It's a bunch of rich people cordoned off from society. Yes. It's like the village. <laughs> Keeping to themselves. What are your takes on M. Night Shyamalan movies? I really, I get very choked up at signs only because it's oh, like. Oh, really? I was just talking with someone about being an uh, easy crier at movies. And I am super, too, but I did not cry at that movie. I'm a super easy crier. I, well, it's like. <laughs> I'm getting upset. Oh my God, if you cry about signs right now, I'm shutting this down. <laughs> I'm laughing at how stupid I am. Um, the one, spoiler, if you like it much, Shyamalan, I guess just turn it off. The one where, it, it, the village, I think it is, where you think it's old times and then she jumps yeah, the fence it's the, and it's that's now the village. That was dumb. The whole uh, here's my hot take: they've all sucked ass except for Sixth Six Sense. Sense. Yes, the Sixth Sense I find very good, disturbing. It's a very scary. That movie scared the bejesus out of me. Every single one of them after that has sucked ass. Can I just tell you a sad story? The last time I watched The Sixth Sense, I was alone in a hot tub. <laughs> In a all-inclusive resort in Sounds Mexico. sexy. It should have been sexy, but it was me alone eating cookies, 
watching when I was probably would much rather have been doing something else alone in a hot tub watching The Sixth Sense. That is a very scary place to watch that movie. Because you're already vulnerable. You're in a body of water. I was you're naked. in a bathing. Oh, you're naked. It was the hot tub was inside the room. Oh, okay. That makes a little more sense yeah. than what I was picturing. I thought you were yeah. like at a beach hot tub. They just adding, had it on on the TV, the bar TV. Adding to my goals of a future mate, uh, someone that would get in a hot tub and watch Six Sense with me and eat cookies. That sounds like a dream date to I, me. I'm a dream girl. I don't see what you I don't are. See why I'm single. <laughs> I don't either. You should be swept off your feet like you deserve. <laughs> Well, homes on the boulevard were considered the most elite in the town, and of those, 657 Boulevard was the most desirable. When it went on the market, several buyers were interested and put in offers well above the asking price. But in the end, Derek and Maria were the lucky ones and purchased the home for a cool $1.35 million. But maybe they weren't so lucky. Have, did you watch the video tour of the house? I've seen a lot of I it wasn't a video tour but I've seen a video where like it's a slideshow. Yes, yeah. yes. It is gorgeous. It's very pretty. There's multiple staircases, there's a foyer, very high ceilings. You know I love a good high ceiling. Good high ceilings. There's multiple fireplaces mm-hmm. that let our look through fireplaces. Oh, I love those. Uh there like I said back staircases, the garden in the back is really gorgeous. This is a It's very look- pretty. And it's colonial, so it's classic from, you know, back when it was built, but it's been obviously updated with paint, new floors, hardwood. It looks hardwoods. like a big modern dollhouse. Oh, it does. Yeah, mm-hmm. like a dollhouse that you live in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. But you're not a doll. But you're not a doll. Derek, Maria, and their kids were still living in their old home while they made some renovations to their new one. But they frequently stopped by to see how the updates were going and to check the mail. It was on one of these evenings when Derek was checking the mail that their nightmare began. First of all, I rarely check my mail. Second of all... I hate checking the mail. If it's all it is is a bunch of shit I don't need. If I get mail for not me, I throw in the trash. Oh yeah, same. I when we first moved in, I would send it back and put return to sender, addresses change. My if you're still getting mail at my residence four to seven years after you lived there, it's on you. You don't need it. That's you don't true. need that. That's true. <laughs> you you don't need that DSW coupon or the Ulta catalog. Keep that coupon. I do keep those. Yes. Amongst a few bills and junk mail, one particular letter stood out. It was a white card envelope and was simply addressed to the new owner in thick black lettering. At first glance, nothing seemed amiss. The letter read, Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. However, what started out as a friendly greeting quickly took on a more sinister tone. 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching it and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched it in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. (laughs) The letter went on to criticize the Broadduses for making renovations to the house, saying, Tsk, tsk, tsk. Bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. But what Derek found most alarming was the mention of he and Maria's three children. They had taken their children over to the house earlier in the week and let them run around the yard while they chatted with their neighbors. Whoever sent this letter had clearly been watching them, 
The letter continued. You have children. I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. The author was even so bold to ask if there were more on the way. That's rude. <laughs> right? Your wife looks pregnant. First of all, unless you see that baby coming out of that woman, you do not ask <laughs> if she's pregnant, how far along she is, when she's expecting any of that. Nope. <laughs> oh, man. I once wore... Remember when baby doll shirts were popular? Oh, that was a thing. Yeah, yeah, The yeah. very unflattering, unless you were a size negative zero. Or actually pregnant. Yes, that hit right below the boobs uh-huh. and then just ballooned out. I was wearing one at a Sam's Club. <laughs> I went up to get a sample. <laughs> and the sample man said, nope. oh, when are you due? <laughs> I left the Sam's Club and went and cried in my car. Did you get the sample? Yes, I think it was a meatball. <laughs> and, then, and then I went home and I threw away the shirt. I actually had two, one in red, one in blue. And I said, bye-bye. And I threw that shit away and never wore it again. I just imagine you sitting in your car in your baby doll shirt, cry eating a meatball. Oh, that's exactly what happened. Like, you, son of, you son of a bitch. I'm not pregnant. I'm not pregnant. This meatball's good, though. <laughs> they were. I probably bought a bag, honestly. But I was so sad and offended by it. That is really mean. And looking back, I should have said, what are you talking about, asshole? I'm not pregnant. But instead, I just went. (laughs) You have to be like, like, I'll make your ass pregnant with my foot. (laughs) That would have been a really good. That's a good line. And if I had a time travel machine, there are so many times I would go back and say things. What you do, get a baby doll shirt. Go to Sam's Club this (laughs) weekend. Find this man. Even though this was about 12 years ago. He's dead now. (laughs) Honestly, he probably is. So who's laughing now? (laughs) God. And then things got super weird. Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family? Or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. This letter is a real asshole. It's really terrible. (laughs) The anonymous author taunted them by asking, Who am I? And reminded them. There are hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I'm in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I'm in one. Look out at any of the many windows in 657 Boulevard. At all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. The letter, which had no return address, ended with a foreboding salutation. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. It was signed. The Watcher. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is why the mail is a dangerous, treacherous thing. Because you can't track that. No, you can't. They didn't catch the BTK killer through the mail. They catched him through a disk drive. So if we didn't have the mail, that doesn't make sense. He mailed the disk drive. You know what I mean, though. (laughs) Right. But as we've always said, technology has made it so much harder to be anonymous. To be anonymous. Yeah. And this that's why back in the day, you could kill anybody and get away with it pretty much. Back in Jack the Ripper days <laughs> and stuff. Although the DNA, they're saying they think they might know who Jack the Ripper is. Haven't they been saying that for I years? Mean, I'll believe it when they make a movie about it. Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. Leonardo I think DiCaprio. they've made several. Oh, Johnny Depp from hell. Mm-hmm. Well, I just think that this is a welcome mat for terroristic threats to people because it's it's hard to track. It is. Yes. They also, don't nobody emails the president with anthrax. That's true. You send it in the mail. You send him a meme. The tweet. Unabomber did not 
send a bomb text. True. He didn't send just an emoji bomb. That sounds like a Black Mirror episode where if you open a text, your phone explodes. If there's a bomb emoji, that does. We are really good at coming up with Black Mirror episodes. (laughs) I think we should contact... Some people over at Black Mirror. Do you guys know where we can send our spec scripts? <laughs> Got a couple of good ones. Blackmirror at gmail.com. Yep. Well, terrified and panicked, Derek immediately called the police, who came out to the house, looked around, and asked him if he had any enemies. None came to mind. Derek hurried back home to Maria and the kids, and the next morning, they contacted the previous owners that had sold them the house, John and Andrea Woods curious if they might have any clues as to the watcher's identity i what what crime are you reporting on 911 i guess just a you got a freaky threatening letter i think i'd call 911 i don't know yeah. would you i guess i'm not really i always feel like i'm bothering the police oh i love calling the police do i when i lived across from that park and there were just constant gunshots i, I remember we had to call the oh, police right, during, in the middle of an episode right, during an episode <laughs> And I, we, I called, and they're like, is anyone dead? Why are you calling us? He's like, I don't know. I'm not going out there to check. I just thought you might want to know. Like, I, it's, it's Dallas. I, it's I feel ditch. There's like a lot of gunshots. I have to call the police because if I don't, I think it's one of those bystander effect things oh, yeah. that you think, well, someone's going to be calling them. But if everybody's singing that, then no one does. And then... A body's rotting in a park for weeks before it's discovered. That's how I am if the internet's out. I'm right on the phone. <laughs> so right the away. internet, I will get on this phone right now. But <laughs> gunshots, you know what? We'll give it a few live minutes. Live and let live. You don't know what's going on over there. It could be a, a manly duel between two people. That's true. They agreed to the rules. And, a duel. You know, like uh, uh, back in the day. Maybe. Abraham Lincoln times. That's the second time we've said back in the day, we sound very old on this episode. <laughs> I got out of my car today and my ankle went out. And I, for no reason... <laughs> Just no reason. The, oh, the young hip That thing, is an old thing to do. The young hip thing. And I thought, oh, it's my left ankle, the one that I severely sprained by doing a keg stand on a boat. Well, see, that's a young thing. But, but your young things are coming back to haunt you so in your old age. Long, it was so long ago. I got injury. drunk and fell off a porch once and <laughs> fucked my ankle up worse than it ever has been. And I had to go to the hospital the next day and then I was on crutches for the rest of the summer. Oh no. I just wrapped mine in bubble wrap and rolled around (laughs) in a work rolly chair when I worked with Heather number one. Then to go to Las Vegas the next day and you know if you are in a wheelchair in Las Vegas you get right to the front of the buffet. Well then highly recommend. uh, That's a life hack for everybody if you're headed to Vegas. Do a keg stand on a boat. Okay. So the Broadduses called the former owners of the house John and Andrea Woods. The Woodses informed them that they had also received a mysterious letter from someone calling themselves the Watcher just days before they moved out, but strangely had thought nothing of it and threw it away. Even more alarmed, Maria again contacted the police, who now told her not to tell anyone about the letters, including the neighbors, as they were all now considered suspects. I would reach through the phone and slap somebody if you said, hey, I got this freaky-ass threatening letter. What happened? Oh, yeah, we got one of those before we moved out. You son of a bitch! You didn't tell me? (laughs) Yeah. But we'll learn they didn't really have to. Well, they... Let's let's hear about it. There's the difference between morals... What's morally right and what's legally required of you. Girl, you telling me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm Well, two weeks after the first letter had mysteriously arrived, the second one was received. Maria had stopped by the house to check on some renovations and discovered the letter in the mailbox. She immediately recognized the thick black lettering. 
It read, Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard. The workers have been very busy, and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what's in the walls yet? In time, they will. I feel like the dumpster is a nice touch is a very passive-aggressive thing it's to say. It's very rude. The dumpster is a nice touch. Also, car fulls of your personal... Maybe you should Marie Kondo your life. <laughs> you have too many things. Can they all bring you joy? I don't think so. No. In fact, probably none of this brings you joy. The stressful thing about buying a big-ass house like this is you got to fill a big-ass house like Dude. this. Dude. So much furniture, and then you got to keep it clean. True, dust and shit. No. I guess if you've got this kind of money, you probably also have like a, a maid servant. and also a servant, a live-in servant. Classy. Well, it appeared the watcher had learned more about the Broadduses, even addressing them by name in this letter. And once again, the children were mentioned. The watcher now knew their ages and the nicknames Derek and Maria called them which meant they must have been in close enough proximity to hear them calling to their children as they played in the yard. It also referenced seeing one of the children painting on an easel that had been set up on the front porch and asked, Is she the artist in the family? Again, super passive aggressive. rude. Because you know that's not a real job, right? You know she's going to just suck you dry. And She should become a banker. They make more money. My question is, I read it in this evil voice, but it was like, oh, is she an artist? <laughs> yeah, what if the, oh all of these letters were... Welcome this, again to your new home. Right. The workers have been very busy, and I've been watching you. You, you know, know what? That dumpster is a nice it's touch. It's a nice touch. Have they found what's in the walls? Yeah, they will. They time. will. It's they fine. will. You know what's in the walls? Gold. <laughs> There's money. There's, There's always so money much. in the Congratulations. <laughs> But it is because, again, to take this back to technology, you get a text, you read it. There's a fantastic Key and Peele sketch about this. You, the way it's Period sent. Period at the end? Oh, God. The way it's sent versus the way it's mm-hmm. read are two totally different things. So maybe this was someone just being super it was nice. a friendly person. <laughs> well, once again, the letter referred to the children as young blood and this time it appeared the watcher was becoming more unhinged 657 boulevard is anxious for you to move in it has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house have you found all the secrets it holds will the young blood play in the basement or are they too afraid to go down there alone I would be very afraid if I were them it is far far away from the rest of the house if you were upstairs You would never hear them scream. (sighs) Will they sleep in the attic, or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. Okay. All right. (laughs) But what was the watcher planning, and who could possibly be crazy enough to be sending such menacing messages? The letter continued. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the Watcher, and I have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. But John and Andrea Woods had claimed to not know anything about the Watcher. Things didn't seem to add up. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too, Braddis family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard. And now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. 
After receiving this letter, Derek and Maria stopped bringing their children to the house, fearing their safety was in jeopardy. The easel the watcher had seen their daughter using was positioned in a way that it wasn't visible from the street. Derek concluded that this must mean whoever was sending these letters had a very specific vantage point. There was also only a few neighboring houses that could have been able to hear them calling out their children's names. Derek began to map out which houses could be potential suspects. This sounds like the Burbs. Yes. Oh, man. One of my top God, three favorite movies. Such a good movie. So fucking good. He's God. like, we have to find out who's doing this. <laughs> I watched that movie so much in my formative years. Oh, it's I haven't so seen good. it in a hot minute. It's it, so it holds funny. up. It holds up. It's so funny. What had once been excitement about moving into their dream home had now turned to terrifying dread. At this point, Derek and Maria weren't even sure if they were going to move in. They feared what might happen to their children, who didn't even know about the threatening letters. When they stopped by several weeks later to check the mail, it became apparent the watcher had noticed their absence. The third letter read, Where have you gone to? 657 Boulevard is missing you. So who could be sending these letters? A couple of days after the Broadduses had received the first letter, they attended a neighborhood barbecue. As instructed by the police, they hadn't told anyone about the watcher. Derek and Maria tried to enjoy themselves and mingle, but were on high alert and nervously kept their children close. It's bad enough to have to be at a barbecue, but much worse <laughs> when you think any one of them just wants to kill your With kids. With your neighbors that you, yeah, you're just doing don't it because really, you have to. Yeah, right? you don't know them. As Derek was talking with one of his neighbors, John Schmidt, he learned... John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt? <laughs> oh, I hope it Sam was him. Sam was my name, too. <laughs> How many times when this guy introduced himself do you think that was that the That dumbass reply? joke He's comes like, up. like, God damn it. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that, that yeah. actually is my name. Yes, yes, it is. And oh, it's your name, too? Or are you just saying that? Ah, oh, that's what I thought. <laughs> well, John Schmidt told him about the family that lived directly next door to him, the Langfords. Richard Langford, the father, had passed away 12 years earlier. His wife, Peggy, who was in her 90s, still lived at the house with their adult children, all of whom were in their 60s. John described the family as odd and even said one of the children, Michael Langford, was a, quote, kind of Boo Radley character. Derek thought this creepy family sounded like they could be the prime suspects. First of all, if anybody's read To Kill a Mockingbird, Boo Radley was a very nice man. <laughs> Actually, spoiler alert, he's nice. My question is, all these baby boomers talk shit about millennials staying at home and not going to get their own place. These people are 60 and they're mm -hmm. living at home. With their 90-year-old mother. Poor Peggy. an old home. Yeah, give that woman a break. Good God, she's in her 90s. <laughs> get out of her house. Let her do her own thing. Well, however... When Derek went to the police with this information, he was told they had brought Michael Langford in for questioning a week after the first letter arrived, and he was adamant that he didn't know anything about the letters or the watcher. The police also told them that unless someone actually confessed to sending the letters, there really wasn't much they could do. Well, we brought him in and he said he didn't know, so we let him leave. We're like, that's what all criminals do. Do you think he would have said he did? But again... Yeah, it was me. You got me. Is there... At this point, have any legal lines been crossed? There's nothing that's overtly threatening. And so I think that even if you said, yeah, it was the guy, you know, it was the neighbor guy was sending these letters, you could get a legal, like you could get a lawyer to send a cease and desist. But I don't know that this rises to the level of harassment yeah. because the police would say, just throw it away. I mean, there are legitimate stalking cases that women go to the police and say, 
he straight up threatened to kill me. He's showing up my job, blah, blah, blah. He and, called my phone 56 yes, times in and a row. they're yeah. like, well, until he does something, there's nothing we can do. Well, when he does something, I'll probably be dead. It'll be but too thanks, late. But thanks, my ghost will come back and ask if then I can get a restraining order. <laughs> I mean, it's true. You're. I hate to laugh, but it's you're the ghost getting the restraining order because I mean, you'd have to go up and you would probably be able to hold the pen. Anyway, yeah, it'd fall through your but it ghost is, hand. It is unfortunate just how light a lot of those laws, oh, yeah, like harassment sure. and stalking laws, are. Although they are passing They're more better laws, now than they used to be, especially with digital harassment yeah. and like revenge porn and stuff like that. So that at least they're they're making making some advancements. Strides. Yeah, yeah. Well, frustrated and scared, the Broadduses decided to take matters into their own hands and hired a private investigator and Robert Lenahan, a former FBI agent. Lenahan reviewed the letters and said they depicted an older writer who was a voracious reader with panache and not a lot of machismo. Well, he sounds like a real go-getter. He also pointed out how the author of the letters had a lot of anger and disgust for the Broadduses' wealth. One letter mentioned, The house is crying from all the pain it's going through. You have changed it and made it so fancy. You are stealing its history. It cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roamed its halls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard, when I ran from room to room, imagining the life with the rich occupants there. The house was full of life and young blood. Then it got old, and so did my father. But he kept watching until the day he died. And now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. Well, let's see. What what can we glean from this letter? (laughs) Well, this person was alive in the 1960s. So that mm -hmm. would mean if they ran the halls as a kid in the 60s, they would have had to been born in the 50s-ish. Probably, yeah. So in the 2014, they're in their 60s. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Their father died interesting Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they didn't live there they just it doesn't say i lived there it said i ran from room to room imagining the life Mm -hmm. with the rich occupants which would imply they did not live there correct so i think we have we're we're coming up with a profile here i don't work for the fbi but yet this yes but when we're asked to we (laughs) will i will say point to this as part of my resume Lena Han suggested they look into former housekeepers of the property that might have wanted to own 657 Boulevard for themselves, but didn't have the means necessary. There were other potential suspects as well. The private investigator had located two child sex offenders in the neighborhood, and on more than one occasion, the older couple that lived in the house behind 657 Boulevard were seen sitting in chairs positioned strangely close to the property watching the house. They're just sitting there being old people. <laughs> Well, I don't want to watch television. The colors are too bright and the, the lights are too flashing. I like to watch the neighbor children. Most exciting stuff's happening right in our backyard. Again, very much like the burbs. That's what we're from the South, so we think all old ladies sound like our grandma. <laughs> yes. That's like the voice I do is basically just like my grandma. But they're in New Jersey, so they probably Yeah, don't. they don't sound like that. We're going to watch the house. We're going to watch the house. It's way more exciting than anything that's going on in our living room. <laughs> Despite this, Derek and Maria were convinced the disturbing letters were being sent by the Langfords and continued to focus their efforts on them. With permission from the Westfield police, they sent the Langfords a letter saying they were planning on tearing down the house in hopes of eliciting a response. They don't give a shit. (laughs) Well, if they were roaming the halls and the watcher, they might. When none was received, they increased the pressure and hired a lawyer to speak to the Langfords and to the Langfords lawyer. The police also brought in Michael again for more questioning. 
The Langfords maintained they knew nothing about the letters and that their family was tired of being accused and harassed. Yeah. I mean, I get that. It sucks. I mean, especially if there's no hard oh, evidence. So they're all old as fuck. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I guess the the 60s isn't that old. They're trying to watch Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, and they keep getting pulled away to talk about these damn letters. I didn't get to see the final puzzle. Oh, man, that's that's the game show I'm the worst at. Oh, I'm very good at Wheel of Fortune. Really? Although the other day at the nail salon... And that's right. the only time fancy. <laughs> that's the only time I watch Wheel of Fortune or any really cable TV, and it was on, and I got it, and there were only like three letters on it, and I was very proud of myself. That's amazing. I love a good Jeopardy and a love Wheel of Jeopardy. Fortune. I prefer game shows of yesteryear, such as Press Your Luck. Oh, that's with a good the one. whammies, with the wham- or like- ten thousand dollar pyramid, or one hundred thousand oh, dollar pyramid. Got big money. Mm. I really love this old show called Tattle Tales. That oh, I don't remember that. Oh one. my gosh, celebrities from the nineteen seventies. Oh, I think I do remember. We go on there, and it was almost kind of like the Newlywed Game, but it was with celebrities. And one would go in the other room and put their headphones on, yeah. and one would be up there. Anyway, it was hosted by this guy named Bert Convy, who oh, I yeah. thought was the most handsome guy I'd ever seen. I thought he was <laughs> so hot, and I was rattling. I was in the floor watching Tattle Tales as I was wont to do as a child <laughs> weird little kid and I was like I love Burt Convy he's so cute I'm gonna go to Hollywood and I'm gonna meet Burt Convy and I'm gonna make Burt Convy my boyfriend and my mom is just folding clothes and just without looking up goes oh Burt Convy's dead <laughs> and I was like <gasps> what shatters your dreams what and she said well yeah he's been dead a hundred years <laughs> it's like what turns out he's been dead like four years a hundred years nevertheless well in my family if something happened more than five years ago that's a hundred years a hundred years ago mm-hmm. yeah. I say that a lot I'll say the other day it was three years ago <laughs> yeah you're you know the, the other opposite. day. You know the other day when we went and did that, and Tommy's like, "You mean in uh, September of last year? <laughs> what are you talking about?" Yeah, it was a hundred years ago. Well, by the end of 2014, the authorities had no concrete leads and officially declared the case closed. Over the next few months, the renovations were completed, but the Broadduses feared what would happen if they moved in. They looked into getting a trained attack dog and hiring ex-military to guard the house, but would it be worth it? Would they ever feel safe or like the house was truly their home? They didn't even give it a chance. I feel like I would have moved in. What you do, you go on Craigslist, you get a double family, a bunch of actors, <laughs> you get them to live there, and then they see what happens. And then when the watcher That's, comes, they I go, like gotcha, that. bitch, we're not the broadest. I like that. It's what I'm was... a method actor. Although, the only thing that hangs me up is if I felt as if my child was being threatened. That's true. That does change the situation a bit. Because you just can't watch them 24-7. No, and I mean, if anything did happen, you'd never forgive yourself. So again, it's a gorgeous home. It's your dream home. But nothing's worth something happening to your kid. My question for them is, the the watcher referred to stuff being in the walls. Like, you'll find something in the walls or they'll find out soon. Well, did they hire a contractor? They did. They did. To and go and bang on all the walls? There was nothing. They found nothing. Unless... The contractor sort of... was in on it. Ah, the contractor was a ghost. Oh, God, the yeah. whole time. <laughs> it was a ghost contractor. <laughs> he would file a ghost police report. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they do. <laughs> well, having already sold their old home, they were forced to move in with Maria's parents while continuing to pay the mortgage and property taxes on 657 Boulevard. A $1.3 million house. That is not cheap. Friends were confused as to why they weren't moving into their dream home. They'd only shared the letters with a few of them leading the others to speculate that marital problems were the cause for the delay. A bunch of nosies. And unfortunately, Derek and Maria's marriage was being affected. Oh, that's sad. The stress of what they'd been going through caused them to fight constantly. 
both were now suffering from depression and had to take pills to help them sleep. And one therapist even told Maria that she was suffering from PTSD and would continue to do so until they were rid of the house once and for all. But what were they to do? The initial solution was to sell the house. But when the Broadduses disclosed the letters, the value of the house plummeted, forcing them to take it off the market. As an alternative to moving into 657 Boulevard, Derek and Maria proposed to the town's planning board that they tear down the house and build two houses in its place. The board unanimously rejected this idea. Well, that sucks. They can't even make their money back. Nope. In 2016, they significantly reduced their asking price and once again put the house on the market. Unfortunately, the saga of the letters and the watcher was now well known and no one was interested in buying 657 Boulevard. Several real estate agents were confused why Derek and Maria would disclose the creepy letters to potential buyers. It was clearly the only reason the house wasn't selling. Derek and Maria said after the hell the watcher had put their family through, there was no way they could let another family possibly suffer the same consequences. They wondered what might have happened had the Woods disclosed the letter they had received from the watcher. Would they have still bought their dream home, knowing someone was stalking them? There was no way to know, but that didn't stop them from deciding to sue John and Andrea Woods. I mean, you're backed against the corner here, right? You got a you you got a 1.35 million dollar house that you're paying mortgage, property taxes. You're not living in it, and, and you paid all, you paid all the renovations already. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you're living with your family, so. You're clearly not in a position to buy a new home because all your money is going to a home you're not even living in. I don't know. Let's see if they've got a... a Time to take it to Judge Judy. Case to stand on The cases are real. The people are real. The rulings are final. What are your thoughts on Judge Judy? I love Judge Judy. She's amazing. (laughs) My niece was born during an episode of Judge Judy, so I'm hoping she'll grow up to be a judge. Oh, wow. Which episode? I don't remember. Oh, you weren't watching it and you got the call that. No, my sister was giving birth while Judge Judy was on. It was on in the hospital? Yeah, she was watching. My sister loves (laughs) Judge Judy, as do I. We all do. She's great. Oh, no. I just look back to when I had Ella and. I was not watching TV. My stupid there was sister had nothing a, on. She had a very <laughs> easy birth. There was actually nothing. Uh, there wasn't a TV in the room. Oh, that's you had a, like a birthing center, right? I did. This was a good old fashioned uh, county hospital. No <laughs> kidding. It was a nice hospital. It was actually really nice. Yes, uh, it was a birth center, and it was a doula. Uh, I had a midwife and a doula. Oh, both. Yes, but I had. What I didn't have were any drugs, <laughs> so I was not watching TV. Well, I my was sister was hanging on for dear life. High as hell. <laughs> no, I think she just got a, what do you call it, epidural. But epidural, yeah. Yeah, dog. That way you can watch Judge Judy. That's yeah, how I'm going to do it. do it. You can't miss an episode just because you're bringing life into the world. Turn on my favorite channel. <laughs> I love Judge Judy, and when they say like something like 10% of the U.S. population thinks she's on the Supreme Court, maybe she should be. <laughs> Just saying. Wait, is that true? Ten yeah. percent in like a, a poll, they think there's a good chunk of just the, a just a miscommunication. Well, they, they just, just see a judge on TV and think they're in the they Supreme see Court. See a lady judge, and they're like, "Well, she must be." The, it's the rulings are final. It's the highest court in the land. That's true. Well, hey, maybe she should be. Well, according to Jack Feinstein, director of the Rutgers Civil Justice Clinic at Rutgers Law School in Newark, New Jersey. While sellers are legally required to disclose defects in the house, a letter from a potential stalker is different. A seller would have to disclose something like a termite infestation or foundation damage, but receiving a single letter prior to closing would not likely rise to the level of disclosure. 
However, he did note that in his 40 years of experience in real estate law, he had never seen this kind of allegation. I asked my real estate agent who helped me buy my house, and she just mentioned that in Texas, at least, it's a lot of forms. So it's not like there's not really a extra space for you to put something. You know, there's a... You Received a, threatening letters from yeah, the creepy person. You would check a box of, like, foundation damage, water leaks, blah, blah, blah. It's in a floodplain. There's places to disclose it. And this, she's like, you could, like, I guess, freeform type it in. But really... If you had a, a guilty conscience like these people did. They, they didn't want anyone else to go through this. No, they sure didn't, though. The so, Woodses did not. They just threw it out. They said, oh, what's this? We're leaving soon. Who cares? Bug it. Some states have laws on the books that require sellers to disclose anything that would negatively impact the future marketability of a house. However, New Jersey does not have one of those laws. So the Broadduses had to sue under other claims. In total, they sued on nine counts in all, including multiple fraud, negligent and intentional infliction of emotional distress, unmarketable title and tortious interference with an economic advantage this is uh what you kind of do it's a spaghetti method you just throw a bunch of spaghetti at the see wall what and sticks. See what sticks. you have to because they're going to yeah. obviously file a motion for dismissal like yeah. immediately that makes total sense they first accused the woods family of statutory fraud the broadest claimed that the woods had a duty to disclose material facts which were uniquely within the seller's knowledge and unavailable to the broadest family before close of the sale. That's kind of classic fraud is that you have a duty and then you... Duty. Duty, duty. <laughs> There's a really cool Jonathan Colton song where he just mashes up all the times George W. Bush said duty. And it's very funny. But, That's you know, you, you have... It's a something that would cause someone to pull out... That would be Ooh, material in well, you. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons why someone Hi. might do that. <laughs> Tommy edited in a uh, air horn sound at that. <laughs> what? Basketball? Isn't that the basketball noise? <laughs> that? Yeah. It's an air horn, yeah. I guess oh, it could okay. be at a basketball game. I thought it was when someone made a good basket a <laughs> shot. I'm not good at sports. They sometimes probably do that, yeah. Well, under the New Jersey Consumer Fraud Act, a seller is prohibited from fraudulent conduct in connection with the sale of real estate. The Woodses were accused of having knowingly concealed and suppressed material facts in connection with the sale of the home because in the letter they received, the watcher claimed a superior right of possession and ownership. Which I think is a tenuous claim because the watcher just said he wanted to watch the house. He didn't say move out because I want to move into the house. Right. So I would think that would be different if you had. Uh, it's a stretch. It's, it's what of, we call a stretch. It's a little, it's a little bit of a stretch. Because mm -hmm. he doesn't ever say, or she, whoever the watcher is, doesn't say in the letters, it's my house and I'll move in. It says, welcome, I'm fixing to watch you and I'm excited that you live here. Mm -hmm. The buyers, Derek and Maria, argued that a reasonable person would undoubtedly attach a significance to a mentally unstable individual claiming possession of a home. But in this case, it was a mentally unstable individual claiming to watch the home. <laughs> Yep, I mean, it's I mean, a tomato-tomato situation. It's pretty significant, that we've got. I think, but... So you would have sued? I would have sued. I mean, might as well try. You have to, sure. Second, they accused the Woodsets of common law fraud. When a seller to a real estate transaction conceals some fact which is material, which is within his own knowledge, from the purchaser from the purchaser and has a duty to disclose, then the seller has committed fraud. So there's two different kinds of fraud. So statutory fraud is 
a right of action that you have under a law, a statute that the state passes. So that would be the New Jersey Consumer Fraud Act. And then common law, which is just born throughout years of people suing each other, is common law fraud. And that courts have decided you have these certain factors that you have to prove in order to prevail on a fraud claim. Interesting. Third, the buyer accused the Woods family of fraudulent concealment, which is where a seller is bound in conscience and duty to recognize that the facts concealed are significant and material, and that seller cannot innocently be silent. This is equivalent to an expression of falsehood. Exactly. It's kind of like saying you didn't lie and tell your parents you didn't sneak out, right. but you also didn't tell them Lying that you Lying by out. omission. Exactly. Fourth, the Broadduses accused the Woodses of purposely and willfully concealing the initial watcher letter. To prevail on a claim of intentional infliction of emotional distress, the plaintiff has to prove that the defendant acted with, quote, extreme and outrageous conduct so severe in degree as to go beyond all possible bounds of decency and be regarded as atrocious and utterly intolerable in a civilized society. I really love the dramatic wording of intentional infliction that of emotional distress. That is very dramatic. Well, and also I think a lot of people misunderstand. There became, there's like this huge tort reform wave that happened in the 90s and 2000s, especially coming after the McDonald's coffee case, which mm. we should do an episode on that. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But where I think people misunderstood the ability to sue under intentional infliction of emotional distress, it really has to be egregious, outrageous conduct. That it has ruined your life in some way. A, it has ruined your life in some way. And B, it's you can't be extra sensitive, if that makes sense. So it's not just you like... You can't just be a whiny little bitch. Yeah. Oh, well, I they took a bat and they beat up my car and I really love that car and it made me sad. Well, uh, that's not okay. really... Okay, I like, mean, but it that's sucks. That's like a shitty but, yeah. thing to do or whatever. So really, cases of intentional infliction of emotional distress are situations where a... For instance, where like a parent has seen something really atrocious and horrible happen to their kids, sure. where it's something that usually something that's going to affect your psyche, your yeah, mental well-being. Not, I think the, they could argue that this had it affected their psyche, but I think the letter is what affected their psyche. The concealment of the letter is not the prox- is not the actual cause of the effect on their psyche. Sure, but their argument was: had we been told about this letter. We might not have ever moved in and avoided this situation to begin with. Yeah. When you have a tort like intentional infliction of emotional distress, the you have to show that in this case, the Woods family intentionally mm-hmm. disclo- hid the letter mm-hmm. in order to disturb and upset them. They were really just doing it because either they didn't give a shit and th- didn't think it was a big deal or they really, really wanted to sell their house. Yeah. But either way, they weren't doing it. And, and that's also concealing a letter is arguably pretty normal conduct. It's shitty. Sure. Maybe it's fraudulent. Maybe. But it's not an atrocious, crazy. Con- now, if maybe if they were the ones that were sending the letter sure then that could potentially be uh, severe conduct but just hiding it i don't it does not rise to the and i also omitted the other five counts because we would be here all night it's a long ass lawsuit it is and eventually the judge dismissed the case because she thought it would create confusion for future sellers as to what was required to be disclosed in the sale of a home The issue was that the sellers received only one single letter in all 23 years of living there, 
and not disclosing that would be akin to not disclosing one single loud party or other singular run-ins with neighbors. Yeah, she basically drew a comparison between something like termite damage or being constantly flooded or something that they would see would be foreseeable. They live on a corner and they know that teenagers speed down the street or something. They egg their house every single 4th of July Mm -hmm. and they've egged their house every single 4th of July for the last 23 years. That may be something to disclose. I don't know. But under New Jersey law, maybe not. Because even though it affects the marketability, that's not necessarily something to disclose. Sure. Well, the lawsuit brought significant media attention to what had been happening at 657 Boulevard. News vans posted up in front of the house and reporters conducted stakeouts of their own in hopes of uncovering the watcher's identity. It didn't take long for the story to go viral. This was something straight out of a Stephen King novel. Shout out. And the internet was enraptured. Some people suggested using ground-penetrating radar to unearth the mystery the watcher claimed was in the walls. Reddit users quickly became obsessed and began to pore over Google Maps' street view for possible clues. Some believed they saw a suspicious man with a camera sitting in a parked car outside 657 Boulevard. Genuinely, I think that the uh, Reddit Mafia can solve crimes. If anyone's going to, the Reddit Mafia will get to the bottom of something. I think so. The list of potential suspects was lengthy and ran the gamut from a jilted mistress to a bitter realtor to guerrilla marketing for a horror movie. Similar to what was the movie where... The Blair Witch Project? Yes, that's the one I'm thinking of. Gosh, that was good. Did you like that movie? I watched it one time, and I was so traumatized and scared about it, I never watched it again. It it is scary, especially when when they did marketing for that movie, they were all coming out as if it was real. Yeah. Yeah, and then everyone found out it wasn't. But it was still super creepy, and the end of that movie, I... I still think about that scene. I can remember exactly the part of the couch I was sitting on, and I was, like, burying my face mm-hmm. in throw pillows. I was so scared of Blair Witch. It's, I wonder if it's still that scary. I have not watched it in a long time. I have a—back then, I didn't have as much of a sensitivity to motion stuff as I oh, do now. that's true, because it's shaky. And too. I think it might make me a bit nauseous now. I Like, Cloverfield really got to me. Oh, yeah, it's tough. So, I don't know. I'd like to watch it again because I do wonder if it's still as scary as I remember if it, it holds being. up. Like I the believe burbs. Blair Witch 2 was a shit show. I think a lot of people said it was bad. I don't think I ever watched I it. I vaguely remember it. It was it was a totally different. It wasn't not the same. The same story even. That's the kind of thing lightning strikes once. Yeah, yep, yeah, you're right. Well, residents were understandably spooked when the letters became public, and despite the mayor assuring them the watcher was no longer a threat, residents didn't feel the case had been properly handled. Some neighbors were angry they were considered suspects, and others were mad the first time they heard about the letters was from the lawsuit. I mean, what do you expect the police to come out and be like, your neighbors have received a letter? Or to question you. Have you ever received this letter? Have you seen anyone walking around the house? Have you seen any weird cars? I would absolutely expect that. And if they hadn't, it would make me question their motives as well. Interesting. With the story receiving national attention and residents up in arms, Baron Chambliss, my God. Fancy. I love that name. It's a great name. A veteran detective in the Westfield PD was asked to take another look at the case. Someone called Baron. (laughs) Detective Chambliss. Get Chambliss on the phone. Get Chambliss. While his colleagues had solely focused on Michael Langford, Chambliss decided to take a closer look at Michael's sister, Abby. Chambliss, goddammit, is it the sister? (laughs) While going back through the files, Chambliss had discovered that a DNA analysis had been conducted on one of the envelopes, 
and that it was concluded the DNA belonged to a female. I know, I know whose it was. Whose? It was Susan's, but she died before they could catch her. Who's Susan? From Seinfeld. Oh, <laughs> such a good scene. She when she dies in the hospital and everyone's just standing around. That's a shame. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, you you want to go get some coffee? Yeah, let's go yeah, get some yeah, coffee. Yeah, that's cool. Man, he dodged a bullet on that one. I mean. Abby worked as a real estate agent. Could not being the agent for 657 Boulevard and missing out on a potentially huge commission be enough motive to torment the buyers? Turns out it wasn't. And after Abby's DNA was not a match to the profile from the envelope, she was cleared as a suspect. In fact, for reasons the police wouldn't disclose to the Broadduses, they had cleared all of the Langfords. Well, there's cut, marking them off the list. The Broadduses were shocked and disappointed and once again took matters into their own hands. They asked neighbors if they recognized the watcher's handwriting, hired a forensic linguist to see if he could find any handwriting matches online, and even considered hacking into the neighbor's Wi-Fi before realizing how illegal and difficult it would be. Why are you going to hang to somebody's Wi-Fi? That's fucked up. What they were trying to home, see if anything had been looked up or sent on my the computer. And my Wi-Fi is my business. And you need to stay out of that. Well, you they don't did. need to see what I've been Googling. Facebook sees enough. <laughs> because it's real difficult to do that. I like that they were, we're going to do this. We're going to hack it. Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be kind of hard. It's kind of a pain in the All ass. All right. Fuck it. I don't want to go to jail. A few more persons of interest were looked at, but nothing ever came of them or Derek and Maria's investigation. Eventually, the residents of Westfield seemed to forget about the letters, the watcher, and the drama at 657 Boulevard. It appeared the unnerving story was destined to become another urban legend. But the looming question still remained. Who was the watcher? You'll never find me. While the Woods family had received what they called a strange but non-threatening letter a few days before they moved out, no one else that had lived at 657 Boulevard had experienced any issues until the Broadus family. Quick question. What do you think the Woods letter said? Hello. Thank you for selling the house. I can't wait for fresh blood to move in. They're like, that's weird. <laughs> um, you know what? Uh, I'm just going to toss it. Well, like, same. We want fresh blood to move in, too. That'll be nice. Yeah. Oh, that is. Again, but maybe it was being polite. Congratulations on selling your house. We've all been winning some fresh blood in the neighborhood. <laughs> this is going to be great for everybody. They misunderstood it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's all just a giant misunderstanding. <laughs> Prior to the Woods living there, Seth and Floyd Bakes and their four children lived in the home. Seth was a World War II Air Force captain and a salesman at a fabric manufacturer, and Flo was a stay-at-home mom to their children. My God, what an idyllic family that was. That fancy big-ass house. Mm -hmm. In an interview with NJ.com, one of their daughters, Margaret, said she lived in the home from 1963 until her marriage in 1988, two years before her parents sold it. She was completely shocked when friends told her of the Watcher case and said, Nothing like that ever happened when we were there. We had a great time there. It just seemed so bizarre. As a child, Margaret said their neighbors shared tons of happy memories at 657 Boulevard, and many of them stayed in touch through Facebook. According to Margaret, none of those who would have, quote, roamed the house as children, as the watcher claims, could be the sender of these letters. You don't know that from somebody's no, Facebook you don't. profile. Girl, people only put what they want you to know on social media. Come on. And if somebody's posting a lot of memes that say, I would never send threatening <laughs> letters. I don't know. Maybe they, Did you see that guy on Twitter that posted, I have never had sex with my cat. I've never gotten my penis near my cat. <laughs> 
No, this is why I stay off Twitter. He's like a YouTube star, and he just came out with this statement that was like, I really wish everyone would stop saying that. Had had anyone been accusing him, or it was just a bit he's doing? I don't know if it was a bit, but it was just funny, because most people are like, we definitely think you had sex with your cat now. Okay, but you totally fucked your cat, right? 100%. (laughs) So weird. I would never send any letters to anyone. Well, that just, that crosses Mark off the list. Guess he didn't do it. Yeah. Matthew Bakes, Margaret's brother was interviewed by the Daily Mail. He described... A uh, very good childhood. ...in the house, which, just like Derek and Maria, was his mother's dream home. He said... Uh, living there was uh, just a normal way to grow up. A normal, very white, privileged way to grow it's up. very fancy. Matthew. Matthew Bakes. The fact that the Broadus' situation was so unique led many residents to wonder if Derek and Maria hadn't sent the letters to themselves. Dun, dun, dun. Rumors began to circulate about buyer's remorse and that once they realized they were in over their heads and couldn't afford the home, they concocted this crazy hoax. Nosy neighbors wondered how the family had managed to go from a $315,000 house to a $770,000 house to a $1.3 million house in less than 10 years. The stock market, baby. And why did Derek and Maria continue to renovate their house after they knew they weren't going to move in? Ooh, questioning the motivations. Mm -hmm. Some believe Derek was involved in an insurance fraud scam. Good God. While others thought they had created this haunting story in hopes of a movie deal. Once friendly neighbors now considered Derek and Maria to be con artists, and they quickly became outcasts in Westfield. The Broadduses were angry and heartbroken and didn't know what to do next. Derek wanted to move to a new city, but Maria refused to let the watcher take anything else from them. She had always dreamed of raising their children in Westfield and didn't want to uproot them now. They decided to stay and borrowed money from family to purchase a new home. The Broadduses still own 657 Boulevard and currently rent it out for far less than their mortgage payment. They disclosed all the letters to the new tenants and even put a clause in the contract that if at any time they felt unsafe, they could break the lease. Many wondered if the letters would continue once the new family moved in. Two and a half years after Derek discovered the first letter in the mailbox at 657 Boulevard, the fourth was received. It read... Violent winds and bitter cold to the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria. You wonder who the watcher is? Turn around, idiots. <laughs> I feel like at this point I might have written these. <laughs> Turn around, you idiots. Maybe you even spoke to me, one of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the watcher could be. Or maybe you do know and are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. I like I this I like this watcher better than the previous watcher. Turn now idiot getting real sarcastic and fun. I love turnaround idiots. Yeah, turn idiots. As you know, we both love calling people idiots. idiots. It's one of our favorite things to it's, call people, and it makes both of us laugh when the other one does. One it. of my favorite words. And my brother-in-law said, "Big fat idiots." Like the meanest thing you can call someone. He's like, "Because you're getting them physically and mentally. Yeah. It's like a double big fat idiot turnaround idiots." It's so funny. 
The watcher was much angrier than in previous letters and had obviously been following the developments of the story closely. I walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood and mocked me. I watched you as you watched from the dark house in an attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. 657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates. My soldiers of the boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the Watcher! <laughs> the Watcher also made threats to the new renters, insinuating they would soon meet an unlucky fate. Maybe a car accident, maybe a fire, maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away, but makes you feel sick day after day after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet, loved ones suddenly die, planes and cars and bicycles crash, bones break. There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> Dramatic as fuck. Which of those is the worst? Mysterious death of a pet. Yeah, that's also, I mean, a loved one dying. Oh, that's true. I, those all, but a loved one's a pet. But we go from a loved one dying to maybe a bike will crash. <laughs> it, it, it's all over the place. Nice here. bicycle, idiot. You big fat idiot. You big fat idiot. You probably will crash your bike because you're so big and fat, you idiot. <laughs> Despite this, the Renners decided to stay put and have not received any letters since. I just like it that they got a letter that said, someone will die in your family. Like, eh, fuck it, yeah. throw it out. But in, in to be the fair, Broadus it's like a steal. Like yes, a steal. and the Broadus has never received anything that threatening. No. And they refused to move in. Damn. Sounds like they're a couple of babies. Mm -hmm. Derek and Maria remain adamant that they did not send these threatening letters to themselves. And in an interview with New York Magazine... Derek was very clear how he felt about the neighbors that accused them of such nonsense. What happened to my family is an affront to their contention that they're safe, that there's no such thing as mental illness in their community. People don't want to believe that this could happen in Westfield. So I think why he brings up mental illness is Michael Langford reportedly had schizophrenia. Oh. And according to other sources, was kind of... Not a tyrant in the neighborhood, but caused some problems. Would walk the streets and make people feel uncomfortable or walk up to their house and look into their windows and stuff like that. Oh, like a watcher. <laughs> kind of like a watcher or a stalker, maybe. So I think this brings up an interesting point, though, that if it was him and all the neighbors kind of knew it was, they didn't want to admit that something like that could really be going on in their Mayberry of a town. Idyllic town. Mm -hmm. And hmm. so they instead decided to blame the victims. While Derek may not have sent these letters, he did send some others. Three years after they purchased their dream home and subsequently never moved in, Derek decided to send some of his own letters to his doubting and judgmental neighbors. In them, he pointed out times when mental illness had led to acts of domestic terrorism. He signed them, Friends of the Broadest Family. Derek didn't even tell his wife he had sent these, and while he ultimately confessed, he maintains these were the only letters he ever sent. That's vaguely threatening mm -hmm. to be like, do you want to know about terrorism? <laughs> like, I'm your neighbor. You were, Let's talk about terrorism. It's like, stop saying terrorism. Also, of all the things that is going to make someone think you are definitely <laughs> guilty, it's sending a letter and then signing it in a weird anonymous way. <laughs> That's true. You big fat idiot. <laughs> 
Many speculated the Broadduses made up this entire thing in hopes of landing a movie deal. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. But either way, Hollywood loves a good horror story. And recently, Netflix won a ferocious bidding war for the rights to the movie. The agency, CAA, auctioned off the Watcher article from the New York Times and fielded bids from Universal, Paramount, Fox, Amazon, and Warner Brothers. It will be directed by the duo responsible for Paranormal Activity 3 and 4, as well as the documentary Catfish, which became the MTV television series. It's a pretty good movie. I'm pretty Catfish? good. Catfish? Yeah. I'm trying to remember 3 and 4. Let me just say, par- one I thought was great. Paranormal Activity movies also scare the shit out of me. One scared the shit out of I me. I have to stop thinking about them. I'm going to not be able to go to bed. Yeah, tonight. they are kind of creepy. So I do scary. remember the more they came out, the less scared I was because I felt... Like they were running out of tropes and kind of just recycling the same stuff. There's supposedly a legendary night where upon having some adult beverages, I enthusiastically recounted all four of the paranormal activity <laughs> movies to Gypsy <laughs> and some other friends. And uh, she was she always loves she my friend Gypsy loves to bring that up. She's like, I would have I liked to have seen that. I haven't seen those since they first came out, but I sure remember your reenactment <laughs> of all of them. Who needs to see them when you can have drunk Heather tell you all about them? There are those that think the watcher is still out there. Lurking in dark corners, waiting to make their next move. Some even feel the Watcher isn't human, but a supernatural entity tied directly to the house. There are even those that think it might be the ghost of John List, who in 1971 killed his mother, wife, and their three children in their home in Westfield. For now, only the Watcher knows their true identity. You'll never catch me. So what do we think? I really think it's a third party. I don't think the Broadduses wrote these letters themselves because I feel like the phraseology of it is so, it's weird, it's disjointed. He was a rich insurance guy. I don't think he was trying to make a quick buck, although they did sue for treble damages, but that's what you, like common law fraud, you're entitled to treble damages. So I think a lot of people point to their motivation and say, oh, they tried to get three times the amount of the house out of it. Well, it's just like what you're entitled to. And when they tried to tear it down and build two new houses, they were going to make a nice little I'm sure killing off have, of that yeah. too. Because Westfield's just so, you know, it's people sure. want to live there. But I, I don't think that they, I just don't think they wrote the letters. My gut tells me it's one of the Langfords. You think so? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially the timeline matches up mm-hmm. of, you know, we ran through there in the 1960s. My father who died, he watched the house. Bakes children i couldn't find any interviews with them where they talked about being friends with the langfords mm. but who's to say that they didn't have papa langford coming over and mm-hmm. you know helping with the house or saying hey when we go on vacation watch our house or whatever and the the son with schizophrenia right. maybe took that too literally i don't know oh interesting it's interesting what the motive is was it just to do something weird and sp- spooky and creepy or did they really have malice for this family and thought that if they moved in that this house was going to lose its you know the stardom essentially that's gonna look bad yeah like they, or, oh it's, it was so nice and classic and you're going in and tearing it out 
Yes. And honestly, they weren't doing that many renovations. They were kind of just updating a few things. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. Another potential suspect, I would say, would be any of the other people that were outbid for the house. In my research for this, I found an article about a family in San Diego, a husband, a wife. They had a small child and the wife was pregnant and they bid something like $80,000 over asking price for a pretty, it was a pretty reasonable house. And a week after moving in, they get a letter that says, I'll pay you $100,000 to move out right now. And much like you said, they're like, fuck no, we just moved. We're not moving again yeah. for any amount of money. So they, they just ignored the letter. Then their house got listed on Zillow by not their agent and by a fake agent named Jacques Arce. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> Hell yes. If I ever move again, I'm calling Jacques Arce. Jacques That's Arce. my real estate agent from now He'll on. He'll help you. Yes. And it would list open houses so strangers would show up to their house like, oh, we're here for the open house. Whoa, that's the ultimate troll. And they're like, well... Then they started getting signed up for a bunch of magazine subscriptions and a bunch of subscriptions they didn't want. And then they found online the wife's photo had been taken, had been put on Craigslist with an ad that said, I love to be taken by force. Oh, My husband wow. loves it, too. He'll be at work during the day. Come anytime between nine and five <gasps> on a weekday. And my this is my address and break in and rape me. I would love to what? be attacked. Oh my God. And a guy actually showed up and the husband was home and answered the door and basically said, what the fuck are you doing here? And the guy was like, uh, I gotta go. <laughs> and he left and they figured out that, uh, well, and then also women in the neighborhood got love letters from the husband that just moved in. And, and he, the, of course the neighbors come over and said, why are you sending messages to my wife? Wow. And the guy said, I swear to God, it's not for me. I don't know who this is from. I'm so sorry. They found out it was the a lady that they had outbid for the house. Wow. Tormented them. They had to get, the wife took self-defense classes. The husband, they got weapons. That's horrible. They put a spiked fence up and it was all because she lost out on a real so estate So did deal. they sue her? Oh, she got, no, it's criminal. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. Because of the asking uh, people to go to the house and yes, rape and stuff? Yeah. And so she is. She was confined to the house for one year house arrest. And then she was put on, I think, something like five years of probation and a 10-year ban on contacting That's the family. Insane. And she said, well, I was going through a tough time. You know, my <laughs> husband was sick and... I, that was that is like a targeted. That's an intentional infliction of emotional yeah, distress, right yes, there. That is sure. a targeted. Uh, but I think they they she was like judgment proof. You know what I mean? She if you, you only want to sue rich people. Being judgment proof just means you're poor. Like oh that guy's judgment proof. He's he can't get blood out of a turnip. Right. So I think she didn't have a ton of money. So and also in that case, I think absolutely criminal charges were the right thing. But I was just researching the Watcher case and that popped up and that's, that's wild. That's motive right there. If you really really wanted this classic beautiful house, right. And you got outbid by some greedy rich Wall Street insurance guy then yeah sure I mean maybe you they know. they had thought that in the beginning and they asked the Woodses about that being a possibility like the and they bidders? said there was like three other potential buyers and they said they all backed out for legitimate reasons one of them got a new job and had to move to a different state okay. one of them found another home and then the other one so they all had legit reasons that didn't seem like they were just bitter and jealous and we're now going to torment these people. Interesting. It is, but my God, that other woman. That's crazy. That's horrible. Yeah, I don't think they I don't think they sent them to themselves. I, I don't I don't know. I don't, but it'll be interesting to see how the movie portrays it. Yeah. And what how it's all gonna end. Because right now there's really not an ending. Well, we'll see when Netflix comes out with the movie. Mm-hmm. I bet it it they you think someone gets arrested and at the end they get another letter. Yeah, the watcher too. Just like just we, keep watching. Whoa. Oh oh oh! 
The Watcher 2. Are you still watching? <laughs> Which is what Netflix says. Oh, God, perfect. Good. All right. Netflix should hire Don't me. take that because if Copyright. you do, we will sue you. Copyright Netflix. Well, let us know what you think. Do Please. you think that the Broadduses wrote these letters themselves? Do you think it was their neighbors or someone totally different? May, a lot of people said, I think it's a supernatural entity because it's as if the house is writing these letters. Okay, how is a house going to... It's just like, how's a ghost going to... Houses don't File have, a police report. How's a house going to write a letter? A house doesn't have opposable thumbs. They can't, it can't no, hold the pen. And that's very true. Well, let us know what you think. Will you have some upcoming shows? Definitely come see us. The Cult is performing March 23rd at 10.30 p.m. at Dallas Comedy House. You can get tickets at SinisterHood.com. We also have two live shows at Dallas Comedy Festival, one on Thursday, March 28th at 7 p.m. with a Q&A and meet and greet afterwards. It's going to be at Deep LM Art Co. Tickets are available. Again, SinisterHood.com. Our second show for the Dallas Comedy Festival on Saturday is actually sold out. That's going to be March 30th at 6 p.m. I hope you got your tickets. If not, you can see us on March 30th at 9 p.m with the cult tickets are still available to that so head to sinisterhood.com forward slash live and you will see all of our links to our shows so many of you guys ask and yes we now do have a patreon you can find us patreon.com forward slash sinisterhood and with one of your support tiers you get an on-show shout out so christy what are our shout outs today we have got sarah reichert gina wales and Lonely Movie Review. Love Lonely Movie Review. Yes. I suggested a movie for Lonely Movie Review. Very Got very bad review. What movie was it? Uh, it was A Christmas Horror Story with William Shatner, which I think I've talked about on the <laughs> show. You have. I remember this yeah. story now. On we, the Krampus episode, I talked about it. Yes, yes, yes. We also want to shout out at Cara Bargiacci for suggesting this topic today. We hope we did it justice. Thank you. Well, one of the best things you can do to help us grow is to like, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. And you can tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us, and it really helps small podcasts like us get more exposure. Also in that vein, shout out to Susie, my friend who said she subscribed to one of her friends on her phone. Nice. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SinisterhoodPod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Heather, where are you on the internet? I am on Instagram at Heather VS The World and on Twitter at MCK VS The World. Christy, where are you at? I am on Twitter at Christy or GTFO and on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. <laughs> Sinister. Oh, good, I mashed a button.